0: Peace, peace, peace. I am Philip Browntree and you are tuned into episode 56 of Hashtag You Good Man. In this episode, we're in conversation with Dr. Caleb Stevens talking eat, protest and lift his documentary dissertation, which analyzes blackness in the context of relationships, advocacy and athletic competition. We also delve into the harm of masculinity, allyship, mental health and the profession of social work. Stay tuned and make sure you hit that share button. Peace.
1: No ashes in the fire. Darnell L. Moore writes, We are the alive, the dead, lovers, fighters, movement builders, cultural producers. We are the everyday, ordinary magicians who learn to create life amid death-dealing cultures of hatred and lies. We maroon ourselves and we birth freedom. But many of us are still denied our rightful place in the master narratives of Black history and American life. Even in these progressive, afrofuturistic oriented times, our life stories and contributions are still refused. And that is why we must tell as many of our stories as we can. No ashes in the fire is mine. So, understanding that quote, what is your story to tell? I've I've learned, um, having studied music, that who I am is not what I do necessarily. So, my self worth isn't nec- isn't really tied up into you know being a good PhD student or being a good writer or being a talented musician or speaker or whatever. I think that
0: like people's worth is intrinsic, um, and so I'm trying to to kind of decolonize myself in terms of thinking about how I produce as the way to
1: prove my worth. But I do think that like what I have to to say is important and I definitely want to be the kind of person that I uh, needed to see when I was younger.
0: And the clip that you just saw was from my guest today. Um, I, I was intentional about, about coming back and if I was gonna come back to rhetorically speaking, if I was gonna come back to hashtag you good man, which this is going to be an episode um, on Wednesday on on all the platforms. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and make sure you share it with a brother that you love. I wanted to be intentional with it. And so somehow I came across this brother on social media, I had no idea that he existed, but he feels like a a brother from another. I, I sit and look at his content. I watch his transparency when it comes to conversations on his own mental health. I watched the, the, the realness that that he 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 espouses when he talks about uh masculinity and how detrimental that that concept is i was sitting there one day and i'm not sure how we ended up engaging in in direct messaging right the dms had to say direct messages for those of you who are not in the know but he sent me a a link to his dissertation and yes there's again we akin, you know, he a little lighter than me, right? But I'm sure we got some. We was like back freedom fighters on the plantations. His folk, my folk, we was having conversations back in the day. He he sent me his his dissertation documentary, and it was entitled. It is entitled, "Eat, Protest, Lift." Now, I get stuff sent to me by people all the time right i'm not gonna make it like i'm bigger than i am but i'm bigger than i am so people send me stuff all the time and it's like yeah i'm gonna get to it yeah i'm gonna check out this article yeah i'm gonna watch this uh because people especially when you're in this mental health field people love sending you stuff on mental health right because they you that mental health guy and they like no i'm just filled sometimes right but he sent it to me and I, i sat and watched it right and i was like yo this is this is powerful, right? This is this is powerful. I'm not sure who he shared it with outside of his um the, his dissertation committee. Um, I think you got a sale go on the website. Go buy a T-shirt. You get the, a copy of Eat, Protest, Live. But I sat and watched it, and it resonated so much with me because I am somebody who wants Black folk to commune together. That's why I started hashtag you good man, the men's wellness group this idea of scholar activism and being uh, and and being at the forefront of 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 talking about issues that resonate with black folk that resonated with me. And then, you know, the the strawberry on the cake or the icing on the cake, however it is that they say it, was like, listen, this boy powerlifter. Right? And you know that that was me in a former life. Now I'm dealing with a little SI joint injury. But I say all that to say that this brother, Dr. Caleb Stevens, who is a, again, doctor, PhD. He also has an LMSW. So again, social worker, we we here with it. And he also has a, his license in addiction counseling. I, I I had to get this brother on here to have this real conversation because this is what it's about, right? This is what it's about to, to, this is my, you know, I watch Drink Chance from time to time. They talk about giving flowers. And I think this is the first time I actually heard his voice and, and outside of the, outside of the documentary but i wanted to give this brother his flowers i wanted to have some conversation with him because i i, I think that his perspective is not only uh important for you know people who identify as men um uh, not only important for people who identify as black men but it's important for black folk in general and so i welcome to rhetorically speaking dr caleb stevens peace family how you feeling
1: Hey, I'm good. What an introduction, man. Usually introductions make me uncomfortable, but that made me feel some kind of way, man.
0: Thank you. <laughs> word, word. See, that's that's what it's called when you you say, "Hey, send me the brief bio." And then you look at it and you like, "Damn, that's too long." You know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> it's the same thing
1: every time.
0: <laughs> I feel you. I do the same thing. I do the same thing. <laughs> But no, you know, what I said was, was true, man. Like I, I keep coming across these people, especially in social media, um, who, whose, whose perspective they align with minds. And I, I know that happens in social media a lot. That's probably part of the problem with social media. We only look for people whose views align with ours, but I, I, I find it so refreshing and I find it so, so necessary. And so um, it's a pleasure for me, right? It's a pleasure for me to be able to reach out to you and you just be open and, and say, "Hey, man, listen." And it's sincere, right? I think your sincerity just through the DMs um, was apparent. And so again, I want to thank you for for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: No doubt, no doubt. So we we'll get we're gonna get started with just. Um, you, and shout out to Marcel Davis, who, who's joined in live from the D. I think he from, from the D you from the D right, Marcel, the lions won yesterday. So, you know, Detroit folk, they all happy and excited right now. Cause they got one victory. Uh, but okay. shout out, to, shout out, to, <laughs> shout out to him for tuning in. I, I want to get into just your journey, right? Like I, we see the, we, we see the, uh, the initials at the end of your name, right? Uh, uh, We see PhD, we see LMSW, we see LMAC, but who is Caleb Stevens?
1: Um, You know, I'm uh, somebody that grew up in Lawrence, Kansas, uh, where KU University of Kansas is. Um, I went to Bethel College as my undergraduate, uh, and I graduated with a degree in social work. Then I did about two and a half years working in foster care as a reintegration case manager. Um, And then I decided to go back to school because my coworkers were doing it. And I was like, well, I don't wanna get left behind. They're gonna be gone from work. So at least I can talk to them in class. And so then I uh, went and did my advanced standing degree at University of Kansas again. And this time graduated with a degree in social welfare. Uh, And then was like, man, I hate school. I'm never going back. It was the worst. I had to look pay out of pocket. That was not a game like, uh, um, and so. Then I just, I worked as uh, an addictions counselor for about two years um, while I started doing activism work. Um, And then I made the transition into private practice and I've been working there since 2015 at the beginning of the year. Then uh, I did a speech at the city commission meeting that happened to go viral, um, you know, uh, and people picked it up, shared it, bunch of shares, right? Um, Thousands. And then I got reached out to by the, at that time, the chair of the theater department, Dr. Nicole Hodges-Persley. And she was like, you wanna to go to school? And I was like, no. Um, and she was like, uh, I was like, man, I don't have the money. I don't wanna take the GRE. Uh, I'm not doing, I'm not ta- I've already taken enough licensing. I'm just good, I'm not doing it. And she was like, we'll create a program that you can study and do the things you're already doing. Um, I'm one of the chapter leaders of the Black Lives Matter, LFK. And so um, I was like, "Well, I'm not paying for it. They're like, uh, well, we'll give you a full ride. We'll waive the GRE. And I was like, no! Like, I wanna do that, man, I'm sick of it. <laughs> and so then she was like, think about it. And this is a, a powerful black woman. Um, a, a she's in the Theater Hall of Fame, if I'm not mistaken um just just brilliant um she runs the just Off Broadway theater in kansas city um and i was like no <laughs> um and you know the way the universe works it was like oh, okay go. so then i went home i was like all right and it was just on my spirit honestly i was like who is this person you know when people just like you were talking about when people come into your life you're like what uh and you just can't quite shake them right uh and ever since then, uh, Dr. Nicole and I have just been connected. I said, yes, reluctantly. Um, and she guided me through four years uh, in an institution that felt like warfare mm. uh, in a department that is certainly not made for us. And I graduated um, with my PhD this past August as the first black cishet male to go through the theater and dance department ever.
0: Word, right. word. Congrats, Thank congrats. You. If I had, if I had a round of applause during one of the cheesy joints, yeah. you know what I mean. But no, definitely, again, man, that's a that's a beautiful thing, especially coming from um, the world of of social work, and to to you know take that experience and and I'm you know I hear you working in foster care. We know what that is, right? We we recognize that that black and brown children are disproportionately affected by by foster care. That's why I call for the abolishing of ASPA. Uh, but but that's just me, right? Um, the Adoption of Safe Families Act of 1997. For those of you who are, who are not in the know, right? Um, and then you, with your background in addictions too, that even um, you know reinforces that that point and your awareness about how problematic that that field is in in general. So first, what made you gravitate to to social work, right? You know, as you said, heterosexual cis men like us, right? We usually the only black person in the class. Damn sure, the only male in the class a lot of times, right? So, what what was it about social work that that caused you to to seek that out as a degree?
1: Man, you ever go through your childhood and then look back and you're like, oh, huh, that was it? Well, uh, you know, and I said this on a podcast last week. I grew up uh, going to elementary school, getting in trouble for talking too much. Look at me making money off talking, Uh, but you know, talking too much, getting in trouble, just struggling. Um, I'm diagnosed with ADHD. I lived that life. Um, And so I would get sent out of the classroom. And when I had tough days or things like that, I would go eat lunch with a man named Mr. Nelson. And Mr. Nelson was the first black educator other than my only black teacher um, all the way up through my masters, right? Um, uh, Karen Dixon, that was my first grade teacher. She moved to second grade, and I thought she was following me. Anyways, um, but I would go eat with Mr. Nelson, and I was like, man, this black man is like, you know, he was just a man. I was growing up, he's just a man, and he was cool, and he was nice, and he was he was kind, and he helped me to talk about my feelings, and he reminded me of the saying that there's nobody like you in the whole wide world, and I was like, that's cool, but, you know, I just wanted to eat lunch with my friends, so there's that. Well, uh, I don't know what grade I was when I found out that he was a social worker, uh, but he was a social worker, and so I was like, wait a minute, I mean, I was <laughs> meeting with a social
0: worker. Yeah, right, oh, I thought dude. it was just a bowl in here. <laughs> I was
1: struggling, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I mean, that was the beginning, but I've always, you know, I'm adopted myself, uh, and okay. so... Um, I've kind of been involved in the foster care system kind of my whole life in one way or another. I had kind of my toe in the water, if you will. And so um, it was just, I just wanted to help people, right? I didn't really know, um, you know, what trauma that included, you know, like what things I need to unpack before I could, you know, healthily work in these fields. But I knew I wanted to help people. And so, you know, you get to college, I play footballs in three choirs, um, I was just doing all kinds of stuff out through and track, obviously did not sprint. You ain't seen me, but that's not me. <laughs> um, and so, um I was I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to help people, and they were like, you got to declare and I was like, I don't want to. Well, it turns out that I um you know tried to cheat in Spanish class when I was uh, maybe a sophomore, um, and you can't cheat in another language, uh, <laughs> especially if you don't know it. so, Um, Then I had to study for like eight hours every day for a week before my final so that I could just scrape by and pass. And I did. It was a Christmas miracle. Um, And I transferred right into social work because I was like, man, I'm not doing that again. I played Mm. myself, and I'm done. I'm embarrassed. I'm out. And so I transferred to social work and that was it. It just fit. It just worked. Like meeting people where they're at is absolutely who I am. Um, it's want, what I want to do, and matter of fact, the times when I have felt like the least helpful and the most inadequate have been times where I haven't been able to meet people where they're at and, mm. uh, and, and hear and empower and validate their voice. And see,
0: the therapist of me, in me was about to jump out. I was about to say, "Tell me more about that," right? But I, <laughs> but I know, I know. I, Yeah, no, but it's but it's real. I, I think that's that's something that's interesting and something that 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 especially as as helpers we. You know, we 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 help others so much that we're not even cognizant of what's taking place with us in certain situations, and when we aren't meeting people where they are, or where we we're incapable of meeting people where they are, and, and how that impacts and influences how we show up in different spaces. So no, I, I I definitely understand that. I definitely understand that wholeheartedly. And you're not the only person who who had difficulties with Spanish. I Man, I took Spanish three times. Right. It took us three times. I, I, I failed it. I withdrew from it. And then somehow I got to be and all I know how to say is set the La Puerta because I'll be yelling at my neighbors to close the door. You know what I mean? That's, 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 I don't yell. Right. I'm not a yeller, but you, you did what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. The person that I'm that I'm talking to right now, uh, her family is first generation immigrants. And so um, I, I really again, meeting people where they're at, I decided to, you know, download Duolingo Plus and learn Spanish so that I can communicate with people because, you know, I want to be able to communicate that uh, like their child is so important to me. um, And I care about them so much. And I want to be able to express those things. Like I'm going to work, do my best to keep them safe. uh, And, and and want to be able to communicate with them as well. And so Mm. I'm learning Spanish and it hits different this time. Um, Yeah. You know, and back to what you were saying before, uh, when showing up in spaces, right. Like I, I, I wasn't, really sure um, how to love or be loved but I knew that one of the things that I always said is that no I'm helping myself by helping you and that was like without trauma-informed care like that was the way that young Caleb was trying to recover um, Mm. and heal actively Um, and since then it's changed like I still feel very, I I feel great about helping people. I mean, I like it. It makes me really tired, but I like it. Um, But it's different now, right? It's not, I'm not healing myself by healing, helping other people to heal themselves, right? I'm I'm in a different space and that feels different and that's super important, right? Um, I got into it to help people, but social work is absolutely white saviorism. Um, And so at the end of the day, um, as we dismantle that as well as addictions counseling as we dismantle these things what we know is empowering community um, always breathes life um, and that's what I want to do I want us to be able to heal together um, but I also want people to be able to heal individually without having to take on the burden of the person that's supposed to be helping them
0: heavy mm, yeah. heavy listen I you know, and that's what we're, we're here for. Right. We're here to be open and honest and, and transparent about um, about who we are. Right. I, I think about the social work profession, one that I'm extremely critical of. Right. And I, I, I think about, you know, my journey and how, as you stated, right, I'm I'm I was my esteem and and my growth in, in who I was and comforting who I was was attached to the results and my influence in others. And so for me, that was, I had learned that that was extremely unhealthy, right? And so it wasn't until I began to do some, you know, that that healing work. And I think we say, it's, it's you know, social media has made it so cliche, right? Where, because it's so easy to say healing, but the, that shit is like, I, I look at healing like I look at God, like my concept of healing I, I I can't even fathom it right because it's it's that that intricate you know what I mean and so I'm um, not I appreciate you know I appreciate your your candor with it there's a question uh from from the audience Justin pate and we are going to transition into um uh, eat protest lift and your experience at at UK in that department and so justin asked did you ever experience an erasure to your heteronormative identity or feel pressure to conform within theater? And did your spirit flourish?
1: Mm, well, I don't think that anybody's spirit flourishes in academia. Uh,
0: say, it, say, it, say it one more time, man. Say, yeah, say, it, say that again.
1: I don't think anybody's spirit flourishes in academia. It's too antiquated um, and rooted in all the systemic oppression and inaccessibility. So absolutely. Uh, not. Anyways, uh, for me, look, I don't know. Look, heterosexual folks never get erased. That's just not real. Uh, And so at the end of the day, I didn't feel erased. I felt erased because I was black. But then I also felt highlighted because I was black. And that made me want to hide. Because, you know, being the token in, in every setting, I was the only reintegration case manager. I was the only intensive in homes ca- uh, specialist. I was the only person, a black male, in my class in the masters. I was the only black male in my class, a- at all in my p in my PhD program. And so, like, man, it's 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 not a real thing that that straight people get get erased, uh, but it is a real thing that we get lost in either caricatures or this is during the time of you know, this is the the next civil rights movement, you know, I, the next new whatever old civil rights movement. So then it became a lot of people asking questions specifically about things that make us very tired to explain over and over yeah. again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that answers the question, but I I just never felt like uh, I never felt erased because I wasn't supposed to be there.
0: Hmm. Interesting interesting i'm gonna sit with that sit with that for a second but as while i sit with that just that you know you talk about the experience there and and here we are we fast forward and we are we right for those of you who don't know the the ebbs and flows of of the academy and being in you know as as a as a learner right it's it's not about learning it's it's a war of attrition that i say all the time Right. (laughs) Like it's a war of attrition. Can you withstand? Can you stand the rain? Right. We go hit them with the we're going to give them the boys, the men version, not the new edition version. Right. Uh, Can you stand the rain? And that's really what it is. And so you withstood the withstood the rain and and that led you to create uh, eat, protest lift. And so what was it about those three concepts that were so critical for you and and to to want to do research on it?
1: Well, I mean, look, I, I was in a PhD program. I already had my own private practice. I don't need this PhD program. That I mean, that was the way that I went into it. You know, so many people get lost in academia. And especially what I've seen in theater and dance is that people, you know, go in and give it their all and then pour all of themselves into it. And if they don't get things back, then they feel broken and lost and disgruntled. And I came in tired and disgruntled, right? <laughs> I was, you know, I was the catalyst, the fire starter. Um, that's why they recruited me, um, because I was there to break shit, right? Um, little did I know how broken I already was, uh, so all I had to do was say some stuff after I read them, you know, the things that they said back to them, but the reality is that Dr. Nicole was the one that orchestrated all of this. Without her, I never would have, I, I would have quit after the second year, because mm. what I thought was, hey, uh, what can I do in real time, and how, how does this help my clients, that I've had to cut in half because of being in the program. Like how can I help my people now? Um, And it didn't make sense until maybe the third and a half or fourth year, Um, I I was really upset. I was really angry because I felt like it was a waste of time. Um, And because, you know, like academia is a hundred years at least behind um, and people are dying in the streets right now. Like what happens if I can't meet with the client and they end up passing? I'm not saying I'm here to save people, What what I am saying is that there's only two black male therapists in Lawrence. uh, And I'm the only one under the age of 35, Mm. right? And so like that cuts off access. I never had a black male therapist in all of my years growing up. And so um, the e-protest lift, I, I needed to find something that was important that I could study that was helping my people actively, right? And so I chose three spaces um, the eating part, I started Black Brunch, LFK. Um, and now we've been doing it for two years online, and we've got people all over the world attending. And so that's a Black space, right? Um, and then protests, you know, Black Lives Matter, LFK. So there's that as well as the global movement. Um, and then lifting, powerlifting. I'm a two time drug tested national champion. Um, got all the Kansas state records. I mean, I got like uh, a national record, like, you know, I got, I got things, I'm good at powerlifting, really good. Um, and you know, that's a whole nother thing because why am I so good at that and where does all my trauma go? Okay, well, that's how I work through anyway. So um, all of these spaces, I wanted to see how I could create, protect and uphold blackness and black bodies as we move through these spaces. You know, eating as community protesting is community, lifting is community. Um, And I'm Black, man. And it's just so different than not being Black and being in those spaces. Um, And I, I needed to create something that was a love letter to us. I needed to create something that was vulnerable and raw and sacred. I needed to create something that I was willing to dive into when I had nothing left to give. And I needed something that felt like a breath of fresh air that would help me to to scoot and crawl um, and, and cry through the finish line, this program. were mm.
0: were it's, it's so much that, that you said there that's, that's worthy of, of unpacking. What stood out for me was um, when we talk about, uh, you know, try experiencing trauma and, and power lifting and, and how, where that, that energy is it, you know what? How we're utilizing that energy related, and I'm I'm thinking, you know, about myself, and you know, going from from natural bodybuilding to transitioning into to powerlifting, and you know, thinking about the lifts. And for those of you who aren't familiar with with powerlifting, squat, bench, deadlift, weightlifting. Weightlifting is so much better. It's so much prettier. You know what I mean? As opposed as opposed to powerlifting. <laughs> But I, I think about, you know, one lift in particular, like deadlifts. And for me, it's all about anger. It's about rage. It's about when I'm thinking about the music that I listen to, right? When I, I'm thinking like, you know, I, I held two two state deadlift records, USAPL here in Pennsylvania. And I'm thinking about the six seventy eight and the song that I listened to um before going out there, and it was the Jay-Z Frank Ocean song, right? And I the, the words I, I can't picture you know I can't think of the words right now, but that feeling that came from it and I, I know it's talking about the ancestors and, and and having to dig deep and and you know so I, you know I say that to say that it just had me in a place where just thinking about how we're, we're harnessing and, and utilizing our energy. Um, out here in these streets, and so for for me and for you, it's powerlifting. It might be some other unhealthy things. If, if we're truly transparent about it, um, and then you know how it's manifesting in in, in our young people, I think I hear you talk about how is this serving the community, right? I know for me, when I left full time work, and I was just like, you know, I've been working with Black folk. I've been working in systems that need an abolishing, like like child welfare and and uh, you know behavioral health. And, you know, social work in general and just these, you know, they just need a complete overhaul helping professions. And I, you know, I just think about starting this doctoral program last year and like my first class or two um, was when Jacob Blake was shot in in Kenosha. Right. And, and I've traveled to Kenosha to go speak at um, University of Wisconsin and. I'm just in class and I'm just sitting there, right. And I've gone. I've only gone to PWIs, Kutztown, Bloomsburg, Rutgers. I've only graduated from PWIs, and I'm sitting here in this class, right, fresh off watching another black body that that looks like me get shot for no apparent reason. And I'm sitting in class, and everybody is 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 just going about their business as usual, right. And I'm sitting here hurting, and and nobody inquires. Right. But I look at it as, as in a sense of I chose this. Right. I chose this. I, I I chose coming to this PWI where my experiences, although they may be allies on probation, that's not them 24 seven. They don't have to necessarily live with um, the experiences that we have from from, you know, second to second. And then I also think about damn, I'm in here. I'm doing this paper. It's a luxury. Right. I, I feel like it's it's one of those uh, survivors remorse types of deals. Right. Where I'm I'm here. I'm in academia. I right? F- fuck am I here for. <clears throat> right. Like and I see what's happening with folk who are out here who are, are, are living and, and trying to do the best that they can. And they need somebody out here advocating for them and and, and walking to walk with them. But yet here I am. Right. And so but then I try to remember that, you know, what I use this for, it has to be for the people. Right. Because if it's not about the people, then what am I here for? You know, so I, I'm just, you know, the thing, these are the things that came to mind as you were as you were talking about eat, protest and live. And the reason why I, I played that clip was because we we often forget. Right. Like we often forget who we are. Um, because we're out trying to attain right we, we, we're trying to, to to get the accolades we, we're trying to go deeper into capitalism. We, you know what I mean we, we're trying to and we but we forget the essence right in and, and the essence of, of, of who we are as a community as a collective. And I think that's what was so beautiful about uh, watching e-protest lift where it's different worlds. That you're all a part of, and, and it's important to recognize that. And these are all black spaces, even in the white space of, of powerlifting, yeah. still a black space with with the those who participate. You know, so I appreciate you for for you know giving the world this art.
1: Man, I really appreciate that. I you know, I was thinking back about what you're saying. To sitting in class, just hurting. Um, you know, when I first went into powerlifting and went to, like, a gym that eventually became my powerlifting gym, people would be like, why do you, why do you, why do you lift? They don't know what powerlifting is. They'd be like, why do you work out for so long, five, five hours a day? And I'm just like, man, I just need somewhere to scream. (laughs) Like, I I need somewhere where where I'm not going to be killed for feeling all my feels. Like, you know, in deadlift, is when I call on the ancestors to protect me and be there with me, and it's the space where I feel closest to my ancestors. It's the space where I feel the most powerful, and it's also the space where I need the most protection because you know, you mess up a deadlift, you'll snap your stuff, and so, you know. Uh, but I just, as I was trying to work through trash masculinity and also this saviorism shit that social work breathes into people. Um, that don't look like us, but then we are just affected vicariously. Um, I I just, I wanted a place to be able to cry. Like, you know, my, my song is uh, Last Breath by Future from Creed. Um, And he talked about, I got angels all around me. eh, And, you know, and I just, that's what I feel. Um, That's what I need. And so angels turned into ancestors. um, Ancestors uh, work through me in those spaces as I process not only my own stuff, but how I'm going to be helpful to my clients, how I'm going to be helpful to the community, um, and to get my energy right. You know, my ADHD brain be moving real fast, and I need to chill out sometimes, uh, a lot of the times, um, just so that I can be focused enough <clears throat> to create space that other people can fill. Um, and powerlifting for me protest for me, community eating, right, for me, creates a space where I can just exist, where I'm not required to entertain, where I'm not required to perform, where I can just be. Um, And so, you know, sitting in spaces hurting when nobody's asking, like, hey, I can tell that you're really going through, like, what what can I do to support you? Not getting asked that question, agonizing, never wanted that to happen again.
0: So I created these. And and listen to you talk about it. It reminds me of, and I'm a butcher to quote, right? It's probably best that I have you do it, but I ain't gonna have you do it. I'm a butcher. it. <laughs> <Do> it. <laughs> when you talk about, you know, this, you know, not, they're not being oxygen in the room. Yeah. Right. And not being able to breathe. And so, and that's where, you know, for that situation with, with Jacob Blake, um, and again, they, they, they're cool people, right? Uh, it's, we just we're in the world that we're in, right? We're in the world that we're in. Uh, but not being able to breathe in, in certain spaces is why I go to to Uncle Bobby's bookstore here in 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 Philly, where I can I was in there today and my one home girl, she you know, she's in a doctoral program at Temple in Education. I sit down and it's a sister talking about a literature review and going through it, and I'm like, sis, what up? And she like, oh, man, she like, you know, she's at Temple, computer science, Ph.D. Come to Mm -hmm. find out, you know, we got your mutual friends, Rashawn Miller in North Carolina, because that's where she's from. And so and it's just like, yo, this is this is it. Right. This is I can't get this at Barnes and Noble. (laughs) You know what I mean? I Mm -hmm. can't I can't I can't get that, you know, with Dr. Carr, that that governance structure type of of interaction where you you really see me right you see me and we can just exhale and inhale together and i think that's that's so critical i think that's what you're speaking to with 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 black brunch and these other spaces that you occupy with with black folk and and the reason why you know I'm, i'm bringing hashtag you good man back for anybody who identifies as as a man welcome to to come through um, I had a trans brother hit me up the other day. Like, is it a safe space for trans folk? I said, man, is I, I wouldn't run this shit if it wasn't. You know what I mean? But it, it and that came from what I'm about to get into now on this trash masculinity that we talk about, right? And having to unlearn, even though I wasn't, you know, as egregious as others, right? I was still causing harm and inaction and not creating safe spaces for folk who aren't hetero cis. Uh, black men. So, can you can you talk about just your and and I I just automatically assume that every black man evolves, right? When it comes, not every black man evolves, but when we talk about unlearning this this these tenets of traditional masculinity, can you talk about just your journey and and because again, when you talk about you know I I see the I I, I saw the, the 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 queer family on on eat. Uh, eat, Protest, Live, talking about it being a safe space, right? So can you talk about your your, your edu- evolution and maturation when it comes to this bogus-ass masculinity? Yeah, that's a really good question.
1: Uh For me, I was adopted uh, into an all-white family. So, uh, you know, the strange thing about that and perhaps one of the only fortunate things about not being around uh, my people is that you know, I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't indoctrinated with some of the Black stereotypical masculine aspects. Um, I, I missed out on misogyny, like I missed out on on the different, like specifically Black ways that masculinity shows up. Now, patriarchy, oh yeah. Uh, now, sexism, oh yeah. Uh, You know, like, oh, Christianity? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Christianity that was definitely homophobic? Oh, yeah. Um, Purity culture? Oh, yeah. Um, But for me, I've always been super sensitive, man. I I cried myself to sleep every day of my life until I was 16, maybe, um, Mm -hmm. because I felt alone, misunderstood, not listened to, you know, my, my anger, Uh, was never seen as pain. It was seen as disobedience. Um, And so for me, I've always been sensitive, always craved um, softness. And, you know, when you were talking about that question, you know, the the softest place I am is in the gym working out. Softest. Absolute softest. Because that's what I've craved my whole life. Um, And so, you know, being sensitive, being extremely empathetic, um, being an being an empath, you know, another thing that people say but don't know what that means. But you know, like I very much can can peep emotions and energy and shit like that. And so for me, my masculinity evolved um, out of, and it's active active still, right? Mm-hmm. Out of homophobia, um, out of uh, feeling uncomfortable as a black person in my own skin, in my own hair. Uh, in my own body, um, out of, uh, you know, somebody that physically could harm somebody, um, and somebody that didn't have the words to articulate very well, and so I wasn't out here, like, beating everybody's ass at all, um, I just would eat my words, I, w- I wouldn't I would articulate the things that really pain me, and it really fucked up my life for a really long time, um, I didn't cry from the age of, like, 16 through 21, uh, and then it was like floodgates. And now I cry at dog commercials. Um, <laughs> I, I cry. I almost cried when you was talking about the deadlift. Uh, when you was like, you step it. Because I'm like, I'm soft, man. All I've been craving all my life to be tender, like to be soft. Um, and I need it. And I never had access to it, no matter how hard I asked for it. Um, and in the situations where I got little peeps of it, it was so uncomfortable because it was so new that I just moved away from it or yeah. sabotaged it. And so uh, for me, creating spaces where people can truly and wholly be, where, where the oxygen can be theirs and not what I give them, uh, that, that's what I want. I, empowerment, right? Um, not me instructing them what to do. I didn't do it when I was a, like a reintegration case manager and I never had a family that I failed. Uh, because when you listen to people and what they need, when you meet them where they're at, um, then you can help them to create authentic and intentional truth and in their voice. Yeah. Like we We come from spaces where it hurts to breathe. And so if it hurts to breathe, they can't do anything else other than try to breathe. And if they're still struggling to breathe after you're quote unquote helping them, you're helping yourself. You're not helping them. So if the goal is breathing, then that's what I'm going to do.
0: Were word, word. now it's again this and this is why you know i say you're just a lighter version of myself and you got the bonnet on i feel like i need to go get i feel like i need to go get one and just throw it right? all yeah. <laughs> now that's your, that's just that's your style but i'm gonna let you have it i'm trying to i'm trying to figure something out now uh what's gonna be my next one uh but you know when i hear you talk about just you know being tender even l- listening to you say that made me uncomfortable yeah right it made me uncomfortable uh, because it's something I'm still working through, right? I'm still working how to how to be. And, and Lynn, I cried. I cried to drive with die many, you know, regardless. Like I was. I mean, this was watching King Richard. Different, you know. I'm a father and what have you. So I saw a little bit deeper into it. You know what I mean? And, and so, but yeah, you know, shedding a tear that's nothing for me. But it's for me. It's a matter of of just allowing. Um myself and giving myself permission to be to be tender right yep. to be soft to to welcome hugs and embraces um i, I have a newborn son and i, I kiss him a thousand times yep. right same thing i did with my daughter and it's just like uh you know i, I always think about the the Nas line where he, he talks about you know i named my daughter my strength my son will be my resurrection now for for me it's not necessarily my resurrection he's not a vanity product. he's gonna be his own self but he's going to be able to to feel right. I feel at a deeper level, but it's in a way that I'm so uncomfortable with. Yeah. Right. And so uh, I, my hope for for it, for him is to just be able to feel and not necessarily feel the guilt or if he does, you know, get those external influences um, that he's still secure in self, and I'm still learning how to be secure in self is one of the reasons I got all these fucking degrees, right? Because if I go get these degrees, is you know I can you know I'm smart, I trust my brain, you know what I mean? So I'm I'm gonna intellectualize everything. But my 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 therapist, Dr. Val, who I, I mentioned in the in the TED talk that you that you watch that, that you watched that said your homie watched, right? Mm-hmm. She said, Phil, I I, I know you can think this, right? Cognitively you got it, but I need you to feel that. And that was the first time somebody ever told me and said, "Phil, it's okay to feel shit, right? And feel your way through it." So, I, I can appreciate um you and and you, you know, being vulnerable. Right again. I hate say I even hate saying these cliche words now, right? right? Cuz but I, but I think it's important that folk like us say it and make sure we we, we were articulating exactly what that is um, cause, and recognizing that, hey, everybody doesn't have the, the the wherewithal. Sometimes they may just throw vulnerable out and they want to have the language to say everything. Um, so I, I definitely can uh, appreciate uh, that. Princess says they went 20 years without really crying or being emotional. I can imagine how you felt. Right. And so it's but again, this is this is the. Uh, a lifelong process when we talk about healing.
1: Look, you know, in two things, number one, Dr. Nicole told me, I said, why am I doing this shit? Like I'm sick of it. You know, every day I would be in the classroom with, the, with these white professors who uh, like we say that we are invested in diversity, equity and inclusion. <laughs> and then we'd be teaching things that are garbage. So I, she taught me, she said, listen, I would just go in and destroy like destroy all these things. And she'd be like, look, you got to learn what they're teaching so that you can discredit it and let them know what's missing. Mm. And I was like, all right, whatever. She's always right. But, I, you know, I was I'm like, whatever, dude, I'm mad. And so, you know, then I was like, why am I doing this PhD program? She's like, Caleb, look, you have a PhD and nobody can keep you out of any activist spaces. Like none of these white folks will be able to be like, hey, sorry, you know, you're not qualified to be in this room. And I was like, that was enough for me um, to want to help my community for me to like push through. Um, And then back to what you're saying about, you know, uh, the softness of children and the tenderness of children. I wanted, like my goal is for my relationships with my people, especially with other Black men, um, to feel like when a child tells you they love you, to feel like that. Um, because I don't think there's anything like it. And the reality is that, you know, you and I know this Um, as we love people, we're also loving with our inner child or we're not. And so in doing the work in these relationships, my goal is to love you like six-year-old Caleb would love you um, with the joy. uh, Sometimes the reckless abandon, um, but the intentionality of, Hey, I don't know if you're going to be here tomorrow, but today, I love you, and I'm so glad you're
0: here. Or word, word. Princess says, she knows this is for gentlemen, but this made her look at herself. Thank you. Your voices are needed in our community. No, thank you, right? Thank you for for taking time. You could have been watching Fatal Attraction on TV one like I usually would be right now, right? Um, But you took time to, to be here. You took time to to want to engage with us, and so Whenever I have this, this is so meaningful for for me. This this encourages me, right? I'm encouraged by Caleb. I'm encouraged by Marcel and and Brent and Princess, because this is when when we talk about this idea of of cultivating blackness and and loving on one another. This is another forum uh, for us to to love on one another, right? And so you know in in speaking you know based on your your upbringing right saying you you know you were raised in a, in a white family how and when did you make this concerted effort to to really lean into for your blackness
1: yeah <clears throat> you know that's a really good question i i think well first of all i found out i was black and adopted on the same day in second grade uh, i was like we opened the book <laughs> okay. in class yeah <laughs> And I was like, you know, it's not like my parents hid it from me or anything. Mm-hmm. It was obvious in family photos. Uh, but, you know, like I opened the book and it was like, one of us is different or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, hey, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Like, <laughs> wait, man. That looks like me. I was like, I'm black. Oh. I was like, I'm adopted. Oh. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, that was kind of the start. But it, it festered, you know, like. When I was in mm, second grade or something like that, somebody drove by and called me uh, a nigger, right? And so like, this is a bunch of white college students, you know, and I didn't know what that meant. Went home, asked my mom. She said, that's just not something we, we, it's something we just don't say. And that was it. And so, you know, ever since then, it was just kind of simmering. Like that wasn't a real good answer. It was actually a terrible answer. And I didn't know what racism was really until I got to college, um, if you had asked me what a definition was I would have had no idea um and so you know it was um it was trayvon martin it was it was mike brown like um those were unfortunately the moments I became radicalized through activism um and and ever and and that's a scary thing because that sets you up to only be black through activism through um, mm. anger and pain and rage and mm. trauma and shit like that and Now, I really had to work through that, I had to unpack it. I had to repack it because it hurt too much. I had to sit with, I had to mourn it, Um, didn't know how to mourn it, Uh, trying to figure out all these things. How do we process through trauma while going through trauma, right? Um, And so epigenetic trauma too, realizing, oh, I got that too, oh, nice. So genetic trauma, all right, cool. Um, You know, like, I, I embraced my blackness when I saw that other people wouldn't do it. Mm. Um, and in Lawrence, I mean, we're very segregated. We're very racist, but we're the polite Midwestern passive aggressive racism. Um, and so a lot of people that'll smile and treat you like a nigger, right? Yeah. Um, and that's so scary um, because we go through life making connections with people that were, you know, once Black Lives Matter started happening, these people were real quiet then they became real problematic, then they became real hateful, and then they just disappeared. Um, And I know that they still run businesses and things like that in Lawrence. And so, you know, I did a lot of this work online, started out online and um, basically just exploded my own life um, saying, by saying Black Lives Matter and then sticking to it and then sticking to it and sticking to it out thousands, I'm guessing of hours Um, talking about things like that, you know, just to say, hey, I would prefer not to be killed. And I don't want to ever watch um, us be killed online again. And, you know, that hasn't worked. Yeah. Um, And so uh, my radicalization came from nothing into anger and rage into me creating um, a persona, right, coming into a persona of uh, that's the person that will say something, uh, that's the person that will show up and protest. That's the person that will call people to action. Then getting so tired, right? So burned out and so tired. Um, and then moving into a space where I crave protection for us. I crave things for us. I crave love for us. And so now I'm creating those things, things that have continuity, things that won't just end when I'm gone. If I'm gone Black brunch will continue. Um, The people that I've met and built up and helped and made connections with in powerlifting will continue. The Black activists that I've made connections with will continue. The people online that I've learned from, Black uh, women, femmes, and non binary folks, uh, the people that I've taught and taught me to dismantle and deconstruct my absolute trash bullshit, uh, (laughs) right? Saved my life multiple, multiple, multiple times. Um, like I, I just, I want to do things for us that we deserve. I want to create things with the privileges that I have, with the education that I have, with the giftings that I have, so that we can breathe. And I do not care about what white people want anymore. I don't care at all. Um, they, it's always a choice for them. So I do not care. Um, I choose us and I choose to spend time working for and within us, word,
0: were I, I think you know. As we get ready to wrap up, uh, you know, it's a, a Gil Scott-Heron video that I saw probably within the last like year or two. And he was like, "Listen, once that they they were asking him uh, about you know the revolution won't be televised." He was like, "They were like, what does that mean?" And he was like, "Listen, when that light switch come on, like you can't turn it off." Right. And so, you know, echoing some of the sentiments that you had, listen, when that light switch flipped for me, um, I don't even I, I can't even say when it happened within the last like like four or five years or so. You know, you recognize that that some things are problematic. Right. And, you know, but you're still trying to participate in this social structure and not offend and. You know, you 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 hear the, the 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 uh the the terms like rebel rouser and and all of these different things, and you're like, what me? I'm just here for to keep the peace, right? I'm just trying. And then you realize it like, like, I'm a I'm a you know I'm a I'm aware of that, or I'm not going to wear it. It's my decision, right? Yeah. But what this is, this is bigger than me. This I always say, this is bigger than Eno Brown, right? When Wesley got up, he said, listen, this is bigger than me. I think about Tupac. Um, you know, in the, the mortal man in the mortal man song, Kendrick Lamar, you know, at the end where he was talking about, you know, K- Kendrick was talking about getting on stage and pop was like, that's just the ancestors talking to you, talking through you. Right. And so when we talk about harnessing the, the ancestors and, and going from angels to ancestors and them speaking through, I think about me longevity and what I want when this, when I, when I'm no longer physically here, right? Because the energy is, is neither created nor destroyed. So I'm going to be up in some, I was telling somebody, I'm going to be up in some worms and them be up in them chickens across the street at some right. point. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm going to still be here and still, you know, hopefully my, my son and my daughter and anybody who's come in contact with me, I'll be, you know, speaking through them, right? And and they'll be harnessing my energy. And so with that being said, what is, what is, you know, you touched on it a little bit, like, but what is your, yeah, the legacy that you hope not even not fuck the hope right what is the legacy that you will leave when this is all said and done
1: yeah it's a really good question um, I want my legacy to be one that the people that interacted with me that spent time around me that laughed with me that went to war with me I want their voices to be more sure, because they were around, intentional, and authentic.
0: Love. Mm. Mm. Heavy, heavy. Listen, Caleb, uh, Doctor Stevens, <laughs> right? Not, not Ray. <laughs> That's a that little, little inside joke, Charles. Not, not that, but Doctor Stevens, Listen, I, I appreciate you coming through, man. It's, it's a, it's a privilege, an honor to rap with you. You know, hopefully, we, we, you know, do many more of these in the, in the near future. How could, I, I see? And that's where you lose me, man. We was good, and then you, you put the dog on the screen. And you know, I'm anti dog. You know, Are I'm pro cat. I'm pro cat, man. You know, I'm hey, pro.
1: Man. <laughs> He's just a big bear. I just wanted to get a dog that if I fell on, he wouldn't die.
0: <laughs> were, were. So so how can the people get in contact with you if they do wanna cop a t shirt, if they do wanna watch the watch the dissertation documentary, how can they get in contact with you?
1: Well, it's free for black people. Um non black people uh, do need to purchase the t shirt because it's unreleased. I'm gonna be sending it we've already sent it to film festivals and just waiting on that and in order to enter into some of them it can't be like it can't be published. And so mm-hmm. yeah. um if they want to Purchase a T-shirt. Then go to lfkpress.com and look under collaborations, and there's the Eat Protest Lift T-shirt. If they want to contact me, um, it's at csidentify on Instagram. I mean, I have a Twitter, but I don't know how to use it, so I do not have it yet. But I will look. I'm trying. Uh,
0: yo, yo 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 that that place is nasty man that's a nasty yeah, ass I, place.
1: look i like instagram because my understimulated brain loves pictures and memes and i just can always scroll and get fresh ones. um <laughs> if they if they need me uh on facebook or want to make contact with me it's caleb Stevens. so yeah Word. i appreciate the this time i mean i i recognize people that are doing the work i recognize people that have worked hard to show up um even and especially when we're tired for people because of the greater good and i also i recognize when people have had to work way harder than they should have um to exist and so i'm really thankful to
0: share space with you i, I you're a powerful human oh man thank you thank you much love to you brother much love to you listen i, I want to thank everybody for tuning in